What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalau, and we are Atlanta's own two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? It's going very well, Graham. Nice little uh, rainy Wednesday evening. We lost our daylight. It's kind of weird. I think it's dark at like 5 o'clock now, which I don't like. A little depressing. I'm still at the office, and it's like, oh. Okay. Yeah, we're going to have to do a lot more uh, sports therapy sessions with all this darkness and lack gonna of sunshine. Me, it's going to make me more depressed, um, but which is hard to do considering I'm an Atlanta sports fan. Sure. But I'm doing well. I feel like I haven't talked to you in a while. Yeah. Since the last time we did this. Yeah, we both went uh, out of town and uh, on our own respective journeys sure, of sure. debauchery. So, so Bob Dylan's still alive? Bob Dylan's still alive and well. Excellent show in Durham. If you get the chance to see him, you actually, it's the best... I think he's ever sounded, but I, I've heard him. I haven't seen him for 10 years, so... Um, I'm sure he's sounded better in the past. Oh, yeah, like in the 70s and whatnot, of course. But I'm just saying, like, when, since I've been seeing him in the late 2000s till now, um, voice was always a little rough, and his voice still isn't great, but his band's so good, and the way he rearranges the music, it makes you hear songs like you never heard him before. He did uh, one excellent take on uh, Don't Think Twice, It's All Right, where it's just him at the piano huh. with light accompaniment by the band, and you could understand every fucking word. He just nailed it. It was a beautiful, beautiful performance. People were like, it was like a standing ovation. It was awesome. Um, yes, that was fun. You went cabin uh, cabin camping? Cab- Cab- cabining. Cabining. A lot of uh, dilly-dallying around. Mm-hmm. Debauchery. Yes, of course. Uh, Probably stuff you can't get into on the air. No. We played basketball. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's not the only thing you can say. Yes. <laughs> so, that was good. I'm, I'm not an athlete. Of course not. But no. you'll happily throw it down on someone if you get the opportunity. Exactly. We welcome uh, onto the show for a second appearance, Joseph Bell, who uh, dosed out a lot of wisdom last time in Atlanta United and many other things. One of our more analytical now recurring guests, Joseph, uh, welcome back to the show. Yeah, glad to be back, and I'm ready to get really in-depth. Just a good deep dive in Atlanta United, just like it did last time. Good, so when that yes. happens, everybody can just, you know, skip to the next part. I'm just kidding. Please listen to our Atlanta United coach. It's actually be good. Joseph is actually a fan of Atlanta United. And I know a lot of users were upset last week when Adam went on his uh, rampage against the team. So we'll have to revisit that, too, and see how Adam feels, because you actually watched the playoff game. I did right? watch the game. I yeah. watched. The, I made an effort, like yeah. I said I would. That's good. And it was funny, too, because uh, we had said in the last show that the first game's on November 11th or whatever. And it was like, no. Well, the first just... game happened last week. Oh. Sure. I said that because I'm an idiot and shows yeah. how much I know about what I've United. noticed we say a lot of things that are just not true. Just completely inaccurate. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I, well, mainly about United, because I remember when you brought up the thing about um, road goals counting more. It's not true. It is true, oh. but I, I was like, well, that's just nonsense. What are you talking about? Yeah. I thought it was literally like, oh, like it's just harder to get, so mm-hmm. get them. Oh, no. It but actually does mean something. Yeah, yeah. Which, which is which is dumb. Yeah, We can have Joseph explain that more okay. uh, in depth when we get to the United segment. But let's hop into the Falcons, friends. Um, hell of a game on Sunday. I uh, woke up really hungover and watched the game in, in bed. And was just shocked. I felt like I was in an alternate reality. I thought I was still dreaming. It was easily, I think, uh, unequivocally, we can say it was the best four quarters of football we've seen all season from this bunch. Thoroughly destroyed the Redskins, thirty-eight to fourteen on the road. Beat the NFC champs or NFC East uh, leaders right now, not champs at all. Um, and a thoroughly stunning and decisive victory that was never in doubt. From seemingly the uh, once we scored that opening touchdown, it was like. You could just see the swagger was there, particularly for the offense. But the defense certainly showed up as well. Yeah, how amazing was it to have like a relatively stress-free game? It was great from a fan's perspective. That's the last thing I needed because I was on the verge of death. So I was like, I was just enjoying myself. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, it was something else, and I, I feel like um, you owe the team an apology, Graham. Oh, for writing them off based off your words last week. Yeah, I. You, know, you said there's a zero percent chance this team makes the playoffs. And obviously they haven't made the playoffs yet. Right. But a 0% chance? They had to work really hard to get back to 500. But um, Have you never watched Dan Quinn's teams? They always get better in the second half, Graham. Except for the first year when they lost, when they started out 5-0 and and then lost. Uh, well, that was before the brotherhood. Yeah. What, what do Falcons do, Graham? Um, yeah. Good, good, good question. What do they do? 
disappoint me for the, my entire life. They try to rise up. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you're trying <laughs> to do. That's, that was precious. So, yeah, I guess I do owe them a apology. It looked like a completely different team. They looked incredibly confident on both sides of the ball. There were no stupid penalties like we've been seeing. Um, you still can nitpick through a couple of things, but overall, it was a thoroughly dominating performance. Uh, the team on third down was outstanding. I don't think they were stopped until the fourth quarter in terms of converting a, a conversion against what had been one of the best defensive units in the league so far this year. So that that was thrilling. I mean, it's like every time we had a third down, we converted it. Calvin Ridley got really involved. Julio Jones got really involved. The running game was outstanding with Tevin Coleman and, and Ito Smith. And Matt, another four-touchdown, t- 350-yard performance. I mean, the offense hummed uh, along on all cylinders. I mean, Joseph, you have any, any thoughts on the, the game? Yeah, I— uh... I think Sark did a great job scheming uh, mm-hmm. the running backs open. We stayed away from Deron Payne. We stayed away from their interior line, uh, which really opened up the offense. I, I think that's where we started to get into their secondary a little bit more when uh, having that run game, which uh, a lot of other teams just don't really have against the Redskins. Yeah, and that I think one thing we really did a good job of, like you were saying, is like really spread them out. And those screens that normally I, I, I despise because they, they don't work, Really worked, and I could not believe how well they blocked, particularly on that first uh, Tevin Coleman touchdown. Everybody hit their man perfectly. Ben Garland and Wes Schweitzer running down the, the field like it was chariots of fire out there, throwing, you know, sacrificing their bodies, blocking, uh, you know, cornerbacks and people in the secondary at that point. I mean, that, that was just a hell of a play. That set the stage for the entire game. Actually missed the first half. Oh, did you? Uh, well, I listened to it on the radio. Ah, so I'm I'm trying to visualize. Oh, what you're well, I mean, it was it was crazy. Yeah. It was like, every, like, you know, screens are contingent. Their success to me is always contingent on is the rest of the team doing the job, not the guy with the ball, but the guy the guys who are you know setting up the blocks so that he can run up the field. And we did that all freaking day on them. It, it was it was really impressive, including. Uh, Julio getting his first touchdown out of the year, which caused, I think, the internet to collapse inward upon itself. That did feel like a special moment. Right, because the game was already over. We already had the game, and then once once that happened, it was the exclamation point. It was like, okay, we have, not only have we destroyed these people, but we've arrived on the scene. It was like a message to the rest of the NFL. It was that type of touchdown, too, just, mm-hmm. just like running over, just getting that stiff arm in. Yeah, yeah. W- once I saw him, like, I was like, there's no way Julio's going to let that one defender beat right. him yeah. on the one-yard line. Yeah. I got a little emotional over that. No, that was that was tremendous. Especially like seeing the team's reaction and Matt Ryan and Sark on the sideline, that video of them getting jacked up yeah. after it. Everyone wanted that for Julio. I mean, he truly is a selfless player. Once again, Julio got to apologize for all the shit we talked about you in the offseason over uh, the silly the contract. contract gate yeah. 2018. Um, but no, he's, he's a leader. Yeah. That's what he is. And he continually makes the team better around him. I think Calvin Ridley has had the season he's had because of all the extra attention on Julio Jones. Calvin Ridley's in so many one-on-one situations, and he's too good, proving to be too good to, uh, you know, for, for opposing defenses to, to only cover him that way. I mean, I'm starting to think that opposing defenses are going to have to start covering him a little more tightly than they have been just because he's, he's shredding folks. Yeah, not just his route running, but the level of improvisation he's shown in the end zone. Uh, I remember a few weeks back when Matt Ryan was rolling out, you mm-hmm. saw Calvin Ridley just take it to the corner, just knew exactly what to do, and Matt Ryan hit him square. Mm-hmm. Uh, same type of thing I see here is just excellent route running. Uh, he's able to find holes in the zone really well. He's so much better than Gabriel. Yeah. He, he's not one-dimensional at all. He did go a little quiet there for a couple of weeks, but, I mean, it's going to happen. It's going to happen, yeah. especially this with a rookie. Is, I mean, he had his little rookie moment this past week on Matt Ryan's pick as yeah. well. Right, where they had a miscommunication. But I love that Matt has the confidence to go back to him and say, go get it, kid. You know, um, I mean, that, that touchdown he got, we just, I mean, oh, he's so fast. I was yeah. so fucking blown away. How about that defense, though, man? 14 points? Yeah, once again, shutting down uh, a good a good back, you know, Adrian Peterson, we had talked about that being a concern. You know, we were happy that we shut down Saquon Barkley, but we were like, is this real? It looks pretty freaking real well, right now. It might be our MO, though, that we can shut down these uh, yeah. offenses with good running backs, but when we get to, like, your Drew Brees and Patrick Mahomes and the slingers out there, that's the next test for this, what seems to be an improving defense. Yeah, I think that's certainly true, and we had... Uh, uh, Grady Jarrett also looked great. Got a sack early on in the game. 
I know he had a couple of tackles behind the line of scrimmage. Jack Crawford looked really good. Yeah. And I think he, what, he had two sacks. Mm-hmm. Um, got more pressure on the quarterback. But um, secondary, particularly Trufant, what are we going to do about him? Can't pick off any passes. He uh, refuses, flat out refuses to tackle people now, it seems like. There were a couple plays where I he didn't, was... I actually noticed a couple of yeah, those. They did a really slow motion replay of him on a play, and uh, he let some, like a linebacker come up and tackle somebody first. He should have been beating that receiver on the point of attack, and he didn't. Yeah, he, he got he, a couple, two, three yards after that. Yeah, and the way he plays off people pisses me off. I know we were talking about, about this yeah. in the car on the way over here, but it was like... Wait, wait, wait. You guys talked to Atlanta professional sports outside of the podcast? Yeah. I feel betrayed. I know. The hell, Graham? Well, you know, you're with an Atlanta sports fan in the car for an hour. What's the <laughs> what are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna talk about? You're gonna talk about sports, or we're gonna talk about movies? Well, there's, we're a big, about there's a big election yesterday. You could talk politics. Oh, we talked about. We talked about that already. Work, work. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, that's, that's big time work talk. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, but you know, it, it's like Trufant plays so far off the receiver he's covering because I feel like he knows, and I don't know. This is just pure speculation. It's probably total horseshit, but the the way it comes off to me as is that he can't stop anybody, and so he plays off so that he's not going to give up the big play. He's going to give up a little shit underneath, but he's not going to give up the big play deep. And uh, I don't know why people aren't targeting him more because he's not a shutdown corner. He's not you know one of the better corners uh, in the NFL like we once thought, and maybe he was, but like he's got bricks for hands. He can't cover people well, and he's not doesn't want to tackle. He doesn't want to be there. He looks like shit. The hands thing is just so strange, and I know I, I think it, I don't know if it was Coach Quinn or somebody was talking about him. Mean, he works on it every day in practice, but it doesn't show up. He was just a choke artist. It, it, you know, it could be uh, classic Dan Ugla scenario. Even though you know he was bad, but it's it's like once you're not doing something well and you're expected to, and you're really trying to, sometimes you do get it. It becomes a mental. It becomes a head game. So and you kind of forget that he wasn't there for the Super Bowl. That that's when he was out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know about the guy. No. He's never been a ball hawk, and uh, that's not what I generally expect out of Trufant. But, but you expect good coverage. I expect low pass attempts to, yeah. to whoever he's covering. Right. I expect... Because he's doing a good job Deflections, covering. yeah. And he's getting those, but he... Yeah. You know. But they, it's deflections on things that could be picked. That, that should not, be picked. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's like no excuse for them. It's, it's like it just seems to happen week in and week out. We've lost games because of that Bengals game. I think the Saints game too. He had an opportunity. Um, obviously, last week in Washington. So, but that, we, hey, we found a new ball hawk though. KZ, oh KZ. Goodness. It's like every week there's a pick with that guy. Yeah. What a great uh, play also to to initiate to instigate that play by your boy uh, Bleedy Booty Ray Wilson. Oh, Bleedy Ray. Yeah. yeah. Deflected that pass, and then KZ has the wherewithal to come in and and catch it right before he, he goes out of bounds. Two feet too. Yeah, tremendous. I mean, I think KZ. Uh, sort of makes you wonder about life once Ricardo Allen and Keanu Neal come back. It's sort of like what what happened. I mean, as I said, it's next year. Then we have depth. Yeah, I agree with which that. which is what you want. Yeah, I think the next step is where does Pool go? Pool's got to be. I think he's best at nickel corner. If he doesn't improve, I mean, does KZ hit nickel. I wouldn't be opposed to that. I think you know KZ was a cornerback coming out of college. And I don't see any reason why. And, you know, he's adjusted to this new position. I don't see any reason why he can't be multifaceted and play both. I mean, normally you focus on doing one or the other when you're a secondary player. But he's young enough to still be able, I think, to rotate. And that's a super valuable piece to have. What's the name of that dude we put in at safety this week for Jordan Richards that made a couple plays? I know you're talking about. His name escapes me. Uh, Strong safety? Yeah. Strong Neesman? Yeah. 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 Neesman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That seemed like a good. I mean, that was a switch up from the bye week. Yeah. Him and uh, Oyele. What was it? What's his face again? The linebacker, rookie linebacker oh, from Yale. Aluquin. Yeah. Yeah. He was out there a lot more than um, Riley this week as well. Yeah, and he looks. He's actually starting at middle linebacker now, um, as opposed to, as opposed to Duke Riley. Duke Riley's now either inside out or outside linebacker, and he looks good. He looks really good. He's making plays. People are not. Uh, they are not running all over us anymore. We are swarming to the ball. You know, you talked about last week how Dan Quinn was saying the communication is much better. It looks, it must be. He must be right because it looked like they were on point. Everybody was on their man, doing their shit. It was uh, the defense is actually becoming a commodity again, and it's got even better today because we signed Bruce Irvin off the street, oh, who man. was the former uh, defensive end 
for the Raiders and also has ties to Dan Quinn during his time in the uh, in Seattle. And he's he's got a he's and he has three sacks this year, and it's surprising that he was cut and they didn't weren't able to trade him for anybody. But um, he he didn't factor into their long term plans, obviously. And and we picked him up, and it was a very un Thomas Dimitrov like move. Usually when that happens, everyone's like, "Please Falcons make a run at this guy, please come on," because he was clearly the best free agent available right now. And we actually signed him. Yeah, apparently he took less money to come to us versus. The damn Patriots and Steelers as well. Right, because he's an Atlanta native, Yeah, which is and cool. I'm sure the coach bro factor yeah. factored in a lot. I'm sure um, that helps. Yeah, I mean, he, he's here to get to the quarterback. I, I, don't, I don't think people should get too excited about it. He's not... No, it's not like we're getting Khalil Mack, but I think it, you know, if you put him... Like, well, he's on the team now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you put him on the team today, which we just did, uh, he would rank second. He ranks second on the team in sacks behind Tack McKinley. So pass rush is getting a little bit of an upgrade, one would think, with this addition, unless he totally just shits the bed. But uh, he's had a good career, too. Um, 40 sacks in seven years, and he plays a mixture of linebacker and defensive end, too. So it's, it's not like he's rushing the quarterback on every play. So I think it's a good move, particularly when uh, your boy Vic Beasley continues to disappoint. Had another had a shot at a sack this week, and what – in fairness to him, two other people did at the same time, and somehow Alex Smith escaped, which was the only like true to Atlanta moment of the of the game. Yeah. Once I saw that, I was like, "God damn it, here we go!" Well, and then Brian Poole had that hit that looked like another. Oh, that was great. <laughs> that was actually a legal hit on Alex Smith on that play. It was completely legal, which I was stunned yeah, at. He lucked into a legal hit, I think. Yeah, but um, I was, but, ta- I was talking about Vic today. Yeah. To mm-hmm. a uh, coworker, who's a big time. Oh, you talked about Atlanta sports How outside of the podcast. How could you? Well, I, I'm the, a, I, I, the, the guy I was talking with wasn't on the podcast, so I was trying to get more content. You guys uh, are wasting conversation uh, by talking uh, to each other. Uh, look at you. There's, a, a, bit, point there. there's a big difference. All right. Um, but I got content by talking to this guy. Uh, he, he's, he's big time. He's, he believes in the Falcons more than anyone I've ever met. Really? And uh, I was like, what about your boy Vic Beasley? I think I'm, I'm a Clemson guy, too. Mm-hmm. So for me to give up on Vic, that's saying a lot. That is. And he pointed out, he's like, man, he gets there. He's always there. For some reason, he just doesn't break him down. He's not always there, though. Very rarely. He gets there a lot. No, he doesn't. I don't think so. I would be interested, Joseph. You're the statistician here. What's his uh, pressure? Is there a pressure? His, he he's able to convert when he gets pressure. Very like a lot, at least from his previous seasons. I, I don't know too much about this season, but uh, his I, I, from 2017 and 2016, his pressure rating and his like sacks is like almost one to one. Where somebody like Tack, he gets a lot more pressure. But, uh, I mean, he's generating a lot of sacks this year. But uh, it's just not this. Like, he, he has one gear, and it's just full speed. He just has he a bull pushed, rush, right? It, well, uh, for tack, bull rush. But for, for Vic, it's just a speed rush. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't really have a lot of extra, extra moves to, to go inside or go outside unless it's a stunt. Um, and it's, I think it's starting to hobble him. Well, maybe bringing in Bruce Irvin will be the Adam Duvall effect. Yeah. For Adam okay. Ender. That would be nice. That would be nice. I mean, it certainly kind sends a jump me- start him. Certainly sends a message to, to, to Vic. And you'd be foolish to think at this point, that the Falcons will exercise that fifth year option, um, next year if he continues to play like this. Yeah, so, I agree. Yeah, so that's that's disappointing. But we'll see what Bruce Irvin does. And, and it's not like one of those things either where Bruce Irvin's going to come in and take a week or two to learn the system. He's playing this Sunday when we go to Cleveland. So that, that's certainly exciting. Um, you think we would have been better off taking Todd Gurley over Vic Beasley? In retrospect, yes, but I think it was the right move at the time. If you, if you look at it objectively, not knowing what either player was going to be, I think, and, and thinking about we needed a pass rusher, more than a running back at that point. Yeah, I mean, I think it was the right pick. Has it panned out? But this year, no. we, this year we needed a pass rusher more than a wide receiver, and we're happy with that pick. Yeah, but you you still think you have t- you you spent on a pass rusher last year with Tack Kinley, and he's and he's proved that he was worth that pick thus far in his career. So I'm happy we got another receiver because we, we we sorely needed one. I mean, I like Mohamed Sanu quite a bit, but we needed some extra. Um, extra depth there and another someone to add another dimension someone who has the speed of taylor gabriel but isn't as one dimensional as taylor gabriel and so i think i refute your point and and long story short i I was just nitpicking okay 
Um, Sorry. Other nitpicks this week. I can't really think of any other ones. It was a damn good win. Not a lot of Matt Ryan haters or Sark haters out there anymore. No, I mean, I think... They're all a little quiet. Yeah. I, it's... I mean, Matt's been outstanding. This is his first pick, I think, since uh, the Eagles game, I believe. Yeah, it's very odd to see it. I was like, whoa, was that a... Yeah, I was like, Jesus. That's an interception? <laughs> right. Huh? Um, I mean, with the way this offense is playing, we just need a defense to be not the worst defense in the league. Which they certainly don't seem like they are anymore. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm still a little nervous because I'd like to see how they fare against a better offense. And fortunately for us, we're not going to play a lot of really good offenses over the next couple of weeks. you got, you got Cleveland, who's struggling, ever, especially since uh, the whole internal strife between Todd Haley and uh, poor Hugh Jackson. And then you got the Cowboys, who are the most offensively inept team I've ever seen. So you got to like our chances in those two games. Um, of course, then after that is the Saints. And that's going to Thanksgiving night, and that's going to be huge. I sent an email out to my family already because we're hosting Thanksgiving, and I was like, just to be abundantly clear, I want to make sure everyone knows the Falcons play at 8 o'clock that yeah. night, and that'll be the priority. So get in your family time early. Yeah. Hopefully we'll have a little bit of momentum going yeah. into it. Yeah, you would, you would hope so. I mean, I still think we're kind of in a little bit of must-win territory with, yeah. for these next two games. And I think, yeah, you can't afford to lose either. These, these, are, these games are one are some of the last few gimme games you're going to get, not in terms of uh, just if you compare the rest of the schedule. If you compare the rest of the schedule, these are probably two of your easiest games that are left. You've got to win these two games. And we got the Bucks one more time. You got the, well, yeah. But like other than that, it gets a lot harder here on out with the Saints, having to face the Saints again, the Panthers again. Um, and the Ravens are in a tailspin, but they still have a good defense. I, you know, This is like the last two kind of bad teams we're going to play. But the Browns, if we start looking ahead a little bit, still going on the road against Cleveland. The Browns are still competitive, been competitive yeah. in like every game they play in. Um, they almost beat the damn Saints. Yeah, and the Saints. Building. They should have beat the they Saints. They should have beat the Saints if uh, freaking Blaine Gonzalez hadn't missed that kick. What a loser. He is a loser. And uh, Baker Mayfield has been pretty dynamic this year. Jarvis Landry, you know you're getting a good receiver there. Um, defensively, I don't really know much about them. But uh, got a good D-end, Miles Garrett. Miles yes. Garrett is solid, certainly. And But I think it's also, we're catching the right time. It's a team in disarray. And hopefully we can just put the clamps on them and get another solid road victory. I mean, I'm, I'm not too afraid of the Browns, but I'm also not going to underestimate them just because one... It's Atlanta, two. It's Atlanta. I'd also point out that win over the Redskins was big for playoff standings as well, right? Because at this point, we're not catching the Saints. No, the Saints have won the okay. division, and 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 they are probably going to be the number one seed when it's all said and done. I wouldn't be surprised if they weren't, just because I would be surprised if they weren't, just because they're playing on a whole other level right now. I mean, even I mean, even barring like catastrophic Drew Brees injury. That Tyson Hill, what's his name? Uh, oh, I hate that guy. Out of BYU? Yeah. He looks good. Like, he could be, he could step in and be, take over as quarterback. The thing is, he can play any position. He can play quarterback. He can do running back. He's their kick returner. He, kick, he returns kicks. He can do, play tight end. He can play receiver. He's, he's got a body for any position offensively that uh, other than offensive line. I mean, it's, it's absolutely and crazy. It, he's guy. got a cannon of an arm, too. It's yeah. just very, very unfair. It's very unfair. Um so, how do we feel about our prospects? I think we're the seventh team in the NFC right now. How do we feel about our, our prospects heading forward in terms of, like, can this team make a legitimate run? You know, Graham, I think if we keep winning ball games, That's some uh, hard-hitting stuff We're going right to make there. the playoffs. You know, if we win games, we can make it to the playoffs. And if we win games in the playoffs, we can make it to the Super Bowl. Oh, if we win the Super Bowl, what happens? Well, we don't win the Super Bowl, so that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but, what do you think? Uh, I, I think... Cautiously optimistic. Yeah. Uh, we're at a decent spot right now, I, I think, mentally. Mm-hmm. I think we're, we're getting Deion Jones back at some point. That's going to be big. He's eligible. He's pra- he practiced today. He's eligible to play against the Cowboys. He can't play this week, but he actually practiced today. So that's, that's huge. That tells me, you know, if all reports are good, that he should be ready to rock come, come the game against Dallas. At least by the Saints. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but if we're unsure, or if he's unsure, I'm okay with him not being in the Cowboys game. I agree. I think Foyer 
is is playing outstanding middle linebacker. He graded out, I think, as one of the better linebackers of the entire whatever week nine it is in the NFL uh, this week. I mean, he's he's taking good angles of the ball carrier. He's he's covering running back well when he has to or tight end, and I, I see no really like bad holes in his game right now. Uh, it's pretty outstanding considering he's sixth round pick out of Yale for Christ's sake. Adam, anything else you got on the Falcons? Nope. Well, what, do you, what do you think? What are your What are your hopes and dreams for this team? I was optimistic last week, Graham. I'm still optimistic. Still taking it one game at a time. Yep. No, I think you know if we if we can play consistently like we did last week, um, shit, who knows? I mean, this offense is really good. Yeah, to Indeed. play like that on the road too. Yeah, that was very promising. One thing I loved as well was the fan presence at the game for the Falcons. It was like a Falcons home game. Yeah, that was something else. It was like every time Sanu got the ball, you heard the Sanu chant, you heard the hoop chant, you heard ATL chants. Anytime the Falcons did anything, like all the touchdowns, people, like, it was loud as shit. I mean, Atlanta fans infiltrated that yeah. stadium. I wonder why that is. Like, we don't, don't we do not do that. Yeah, the Redskins don't have... Out of all the, out of all the places that yeah, we could do that at? The Redskins don't have a bad team. Uh, but their stadium was like half empty. And, you know... A quarter of it was filled with Falcons fans, which is hilarious. It's kind of like when the Braves fans take over the Nationals Park. I love it. Yeah, man. Fuck DC. I guess, I guess people just like going. Figure it's a good place to vacation. Look at the sights. Yeah, I guess. And I ca- catch a game while you're there. Yeah. Maybe there's a lot country of country USA. I yeah. guess is a hot attraction. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that was really cool. Julio was walking off the field in this uh, video. I think the Falcons put on Twitter. He's talking about stuff, and then. Yeah, he's holding the camera like a selfie, and then he like rotated it, and he it was just behind him were like all these Falcons fans, and everyone's like, ah! it was it was badass. So, yeah, I think we're gonna see a couple more touchdowns coming from Julio now. Yeah, I think they might come in waves now. That would be that would be nice. Um, he's still not gonna get red zone touches. Yeah, don't he's force gonna, them. Don't, yeah, don't force him in the red zone. zone. Do not pass in the red zone. Throw more bombs. Yeah, it's just gonna be more thirty yard, forty yard plays, which is fine. Yeah, yeah. I like those. Let him do his thing. Well, I think we uh, covered the Falcons to death. Let's transition to the Hawks. Hawks are three and eight as of today's recording, November seventh. Is that right? Yep. Okay. And uh, watch them be like two and nine, but I believe it's three and eight. I know they have three wins. Yeah. Yeah. And um, seeing some really good performances again by Trey Young. Um, I think who was the Bulls on Saturday? Yeah. Twenty-four points, fifteen dimes. Some of the passes he was making in that game were just ridiculous. He had a full that, oh my full court pass yeah. to Kevin Herter for the dunk. Um, you know, he was making cross court passes look like uh, you know, like he was on fucking Sesame Street just playing with, with the god, goddamn Big Bird out there. Like it was like the easiest thing in the world. He was just making things look so simple when he was passing the ball. Uh, I love. I mean, this was the game where you really. I mean, we've seen flashes of his court vision, but this was the first game where I was like. Holy shit, he can really... Like, that was a consistent performance all around. So you're a Trey Young guy, Graham. I mean, I gotta say, he is uh, proving me wrong so far. I thought the... I mean, I guess you can't say he's proving me wrong because the jury has to still be out. We're so... We're only like 10 games in the season of, uh, of this rookie year. But, I mean, like, I've been really impressed. I mean, he's turned the ball over a little too much for my liking, but that's expected. But I did not... If he was going to be a stud which I think he has the potential to be. I did not expect him to do what he's doing now, having four double-doubles so far, um, utilizing uh, his teammates really well, shooting three-pointers at a decent clip. And like we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago, that Mavericks game where he put the team on his shoulders to win in like his third or fourth game of the year, I mean, he's playing beyond his years right now. There's, I think... A uh, few other players that have actually done the 30, 10, or 35 points, 10 assists. Mm-hmm. And it's like LeBron, James, Steph Curry in their rookie season. Right. It's it's just a very short list. I, I think Jason Kidd, too, is Jason the other Kidd, person. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's a rarefied error to be yeah. joining. Um, His assists, like where he actually places the ball is basically only the three-point line or in the paint. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's His efficiency in his passing, I mean, t- sure, turnovers happen. Uh, some of his court vision is it's pretty reliable, but sometimes he just can't quite make the pass. Well, the thing is, it's only going to get better. Yeah, you know that's the scary part, which is which is which is great. I mean, get a few better pieces around him too. Yeah, and I still like what I'm seeing from Herder. 
And what are you saying about his, de- has, <laughs> his defensive efficiency? Is he's like seventh or something like that in the league? Yeah, he's, that's insane. He's doing really well. <clears throat> he's got and such a long gait too, so that's that's good that he's able to uh, to be that efficient on defense. His usage isn't like Clay Thompson usage, where he's out on the court that much. But right, but when he's yeah, on the court, he's he's doing pretty well. Did you see yesterday where? Um, so it was the three rookies starting: Trey Young, Herder, Amari Spellman. Yeah. And it was the first time three rookies have started in a game since 2005, which was that like infamous like 13-win team. It was Josh Smith, Ugh. Josh Childress, oh, wow. and Royale Ivy. Mm. I remember Royale Ivy. You loved Royale I, Ivy. I thought he was great. Like, oh, that's a great draft pick. He was really solid point guard at what school did I he think it was in Texas. He was on point guard. I think it was... A, no, he was a point guard. Was he? Yeah, he was at Texas. You're right. Yeah, but I loved his game. I thought he was a dynamic player. Could be, not be a star in the NBA, but I thought he was going to be a, a mainstay. I think he flamed out of the league in, after like two or three seasons. Yeah, he didn't last very long. Um, well, this is a much better... Uh, feels like a better crop. Yeah. I mean, certainly, certainly Josh Smith had a decent career, even though he never became the player he wanted him to be. But um, I'm, I'm really excited for these three. And Alex Lynn's playing like an absolute beast, hitting three-pointers, being really aggressive in the paint. Uh, I really like his his presence a lot, and he's been an excellent rim protector, which we expected. But it's just the other facets of his game I've been impressed by. You know, he's not forcing the three either. He's not like sitting out there jacking up ten threes a game. He's taking the shot when it comes to him. So that's that's really nice to see. As he does it, right as he now. does it right now, and he drills the three. He was wide open. He took the shot. You might um, be the smartest person I know, Graham. I'm just making predictions all yeah. night. Did you see the thing about the future? Like mm-hmm. I said, I want these guys to win games. But after seeing Zion Williamson last night for Duke. Oh, for Duke? Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. If we somehow get the first pick this year, and there's new lottery rules, so I don't think we have to be the worst team in basketball to get it because whatever these rules are. Well, you never did, right? No, but. Oh, the, had the best the, odds. The, the odds are even. Okay. That's They're trying to not. Prevent tanking. Prevent tanking, sure. exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you get Zion Williamson, that's it. Rebuild over. <laughs> You're in championship mode, really. Yeah, I mean, I saw him. Play. Have you seen know. this guy? Yeah, yeah, but I don't. He's got the build of a linebacker, the speed of like a Trey Young, mm-hmm. the power of LeBron James. Yeah, no, he looks like he's a like monster. eleven of thirteen from the field yeah. in his first game. Yeah, I, I think yeah, Duke's going to be unstoppable this year, unfortunately. But I'll be interested in watching him play. I mean, if we can. Yeah, I mean, I know it's only one game, but yeah. I'm not going to watch him play, but I, I'm gonna, it's not Atlanta professional sports. Sure. But I am going to hope that we draft him somehow. Right. Um, anything else we want to touch on the Hawks? It's sort of more of the same. You know, you're, you're enjoying watching the young guys play, and we're, we're losing more than we win. Yeah, I'm already thinking draft again with uh, that Mavericks pick. It's only top five protected, and I think that they are a somewhat decent team. Yeah, hopefully so we have a chance to get that one as well. That would be great if we get like the seventh pick or something. Oh my god! Do, doesn't it rotate on top of ours? Right? Doesn't it rotate? Uh, two seconds, I believe, in two years or something like that. Was right? That, was that that pick or was that the uh, the Cavs? No, I think that was the Cavs pick. Yeah. I think this one. I don't remember, I don't know if it expires or not. Or I mean, we have to. You have to get something out of it yeah. for Christ's sake. What do you think their system is for keeping track of these draft picks? What do you mean? Like does. Somebody just have a spreadsheet somewhere? Knowing the NBA, it's probably an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> Sounds about right. That could get deleted any day. Sure. They'd have, come, they'd have to come to Atlanta's own to see what, what the hell's going on. Exactly. Oh, I think it was every other year. <laughs> Goes from five to three, and then maybe two. That's the most accurate podcast and <laughs> sports. We, we check all our stats. Um, yeah, so just keep on watching that Trey Young. Let's move on to the Braves. <laughs> I didn't know how to segue there. We're touching them all. We're huh? touching them all today. Uh, so, obviously, we're in off-season mode, and rumors are starting to heat up. Hot stove, hot takes going on. And one of the biggest rumors is... Uh, one of the biggest rumors is that the Braves are linked to JT Real Muto, the all-star Marlins catcher. There have been conflicting reports today. One person said we made a huge offer this morning. David O'Brien came out and said we did not. So who knows what the hell is really going on, but there is a lot of smoke around uh, us potentially going after JT Real Muto this offseason. And I have to ask you, Adam, what do you think about prioritizing getting a catcher if that's true? Even a catcher as good as Real Muto. I don't like it at all. 
I, I don't think catcher was our number one weakness last year. I understand Real Muto is really freaking good and could put us over the top. Um, but see, I don't think he can even do that. But I'll let you finish your point. But yeah, I mean, like, Suzuki and Flowers are like that combo. It's like, I mean, I know they're, I want to say they're top five offensive catchers. Like, the duo. As a duo, yeah. As, as, as far as their production. Right. Um, I, I, don't, I don't fully get why. I mean, it's going to take a lot. It's going to take two of our top pitching prospects and probably like a Drew Waters or, or Austin Riley or Austin Riley to make this happen. And yeah, and that's, I'd, I'd rather throw those at an ace. And that's, I completely couldn't have said it better. I mean, I think you have to ask yourself, does getting this guy, I mean, obviously he, he makes you better at the catching position, no doubt. However, does he, um, you know, I, yeah, I'd rather use that to go after Madison Bumgarner or someone else that uh, is at a position more of need that we that we absolutely need right now. Uh, you know, if we had the ability to go get, uh, you know, trade for a really good corner outfielder or trade for an ace, I'd rather do that than get a trade for this catcher. And another reason I'm, I'm really hesitant to, to, to trade for Real Muto is in his late 20s. We know that a catcher's lifespan in terms of being really productive, is particularly at the plate, is short. And, he, and granted, he only has two two years left on his contract. I think of a third year team option. But do I really want to give up some of my best prospects for two probably going to be pretty good or great years from a catcher for a catcher, and then he's going to sharply decline or leave or or whatever? When Austin Riley could be the superstar stud third baseman that we uh, the, the, that that could really push us over the top. The counter argument so. is we're trying to win a World Series in the next couple of years. That's fair, and I and I like that we're going to be aggressive. And Anthopoulos, uh, you know, articulated as much at, as Presser and the general manager meetings that are going on. I think that's great, but I think I would like to go for it and at another position other than um, catcher. See, also at catcher, there's other options out there, like Mike Zunino mm-hmm. from uh, Seattle. He's got some power. That guy hits bombs, man. Yeah, you know, and, and he's he would not be a good cheap. hitter, but he's got power. He would be cheap. Yeah. And uh, moving him to the National League, whatever for whatever reason, that's always a thing. Yeah, as we discussed last year on right. our uh, hot stove special. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want I want me some Corey Kluber. Kluber would be interesting. I don't know why the Indians are making him available because they uh, they're they're not doing anything. But they're they compete. I mean, they're in the playoffs every year. They went to the World Series a couple years ago. I, I have a great dynamic young rotation. They're, whatever, they're fuck not, it. They're not going to get past the Yankees or Red Sox. Right. Well, who knows? But. That's a guy I'd be really interested in. Young, I think he's controllable. Excellent stuff. He would easily be the best pitcher on our team. Yeah, he, he's, he's only at like 15 mil a year for the next three years or right. something. And I know that it goes against sort of this, uh, the new way of thinking of like, you know, who gives a shit if you're trading within your division. But I don't like doing that. I don't want to give the Marlins Austin Riley. I want Austin Riley. Fuck that. I, I, I'd rather, if I'm going to get rid of Austin Riley, I want to, I want to give him to the Indians or, you know, someone I'm not going to play 19 times a year. Like, I, I hate that. I think it's more from the other side. The Marlins wouldn't want to trade Real Muto to us because he's in division. Right, but they've traded within the division plenty. They, they traded with the Phillies. They traded with the Mets. I don't think they, they might have traded with the Nationals. I don't know. They traded with a lot of people within our division last year. I think the only team they didn't trade with is us. So they're not afraid of doing that. And we've traded with them in the past. You know, the Ugla thing was a trade. So they're they're not afraid of doing that. You know, I know it's a totally different front office. Yeah. So, I don't know. I get a little stressed out over all these rumors. Yeah, you don't know what to believe. Um, and there's no real movement on it yet. But there is, because uh, you know, as we mentioned, there are conflicting reports. But I, uh, yeah, Kluber is the guy I'd be going after right now. You want to poach some of my best people? That's fine for Kluber. Fine, especially with that thing you're talking about, only fifteen million a year. Yeah, he's well. He's worth way more than that. Yeah, I mean, it, and the idea with a guy like Kluber is any of the pitching prospects we trade, odds are they're not going to be as good as Corey Kluber. I agree. He's and he's, a, he's an established, healthy workhorse who's who's the ace pitcher you want right now. Like, I mean, it could be solid major leaguers, but yeah, the light likely you're exactly right. The likelihood is, is slim. Um, Whereas a catcher, like remember a couple of years ago that dude uh, Lucroy. Mm-hmm. He was the hottest thing out there. 
two years later, he sucks. Right. I mean, the the, the, the toll, the physical toll it takes on catchers and mental, because honestly, they're calling the game uh, behind the plate too, is is rough on them. And they only have so many years to be productive. And I just worry about that with, um, I mean, Real Muto hasn't showed any signs of slowing down, but I mean, like I said, late 20s. He's got maybe one or two like great years left probably. That's total speculation. He proved me wrong, but I don't know. I don't like it. Joseph, I know you're not as huge of a Braves fan, but do you have any any thoughts? Uh, in terms of our pitching core, mm-hmm. I almost want to wait a year. I want to see what our new pitching coach can really get out of our get out of our rookies. So you wouldn't want to take the shot on a guy like Corey Kluber? It depends on what we're willing to lose, right? I mm-hmm. Are we willing to lose like a Riley or like a Pache? I th- think I'm more willing to lose Riley than Pache. Yeah. Even I don't want to lose either one of them. But if you go- like, we have lacked that true ace for so long. I know Fulte could maybe turn into one. He pitched like one at times this year. But that guy's so consistent. Also, moving to the National League would be huge, make him even better. Um, gah, it's right there. Something we haven't had in a while that could really. Push us over the top. Yeah, I mean, if you got Kluber, Fulte, Gossman, Newcomb, Tukey, Tukey, that's a good rotation. Yeah, you can get shit done, and then trade trade Julio for some like bench depth. Sure. Um, let the other young guys continue to work it out, or I don't know, man. The thing with I think Riley's expendable because I think Camargo showed enough it to be our everyday third like baseman. It like everybody's saying that Camargo's the guy now. And while I like Camargo, he had a very good year. And I'm not even going to bring up his postseason, which was awful. Because I don't think that's relevant to the kind of player that he is. He had a bad series. Big shit. I mean, it was big shit when it happened, but I mean that doesn't define him. I'm not going to use that against him to say we shouldn't think of him potentially as our third baseman of the future. He plays great defense. He's a solid hitter. Um, and he provides a lot of value to the team. So, I mean, I get what you're coming from with that, but just like everything I've heard about Austin Riley has been potential stud, well, seemingly. Well, here's the other kicker. And uh, Camargo is not a stud as good as he is. I wouldn't be shocked if Anthopoulos includes Dansby in one of these trades and slides Camargo to short. Now you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently Dansby had surgery today on his wrist, and he should be uh, a go for spring training from things I've heard. But I, I'm totally fine with that. I think Dansby's a better shortstop defensively than Camargo, but Camargo provides more value with the bat. Um, I'm okay with that. I think I've seen enough of Dansby to know what he is. And there's certainly, I could be wrong. I think he's, because um, I didn't think there's a chance in hell he's going to be a good defensive shortstop. But it's been a couple years now with the bat, seeing more of the same thing. I think he would offer more trade value than a Camargo as you well. You can use his defensive prowess. In, in trade discussions. But I think you can also do the same thing with Camargo. I could see him being like a great Yankee and just making a Oh, Swanson? Oh, my oh God. God. He becomes Jeter Jr. and oh wins geez. like five World yeah. Series. He goes there and starts hitting like 305 with, you know, 15 bombs. I might on. quit. If that happened, I would yeah. quit. If the Yankees win like four more World Series with Dansby Swanson leading. With Dansby being the face of the franchise. Uh, suck. I'm done. You're done? You renounce Atlanta sports? Yes. Wow. Well, no, you're not. Probably not. Too big a part of who you are. I would. You do a podcast on them every week, for Christ's sake. It would make me vomit. Yes, I would agree. I'd have to purge every night. It'd be awful. Here's um, a question for you. Sure. <clears throat> What's your most hated sports team? All time? I think it's got not like a specific year of a specific team. No, just but all time franchise. Your most hated franchise. I think it's got to be the Patriots because. So it, it took the Super Bowl. So if the Saints play the Patriots in our building for the Super Bowl this year, you're cheering for the Saints. I'm not watching. But Ooh, yes. Should, we, do, should okay. we just play I, bad in 2005 yes, instead? Yeah. I'll literally play that for four and a half hours with you and get really drunk over watching that fucking game. I refuse to watch that game. That, that is the worst <laughs> possible scenario of those two ass. other than them beating us in our own building for the Super Bowl. That is the worst possible scenario of those two asshole teams to play each other in our brand new beautiful palace Death Star thing that we've constructed for the Super Bowl, how awful! Oh my God! And then the city would be swarming with Saints and pa- Saints and pa- oh. that, that's a worst case scenario. I couldn't go anywhere. I think that's almost worse than the teams as the fans. Yeah, I couldn't go anywhere. I literally could not go to any bar in. Where's your Dunkin' Donuts? 
We're number one. Go Pats. That's my terrible Boston accent. Five Super Bowls, baby, and we got one from you. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> I would hate that shit, man. Take your clam chowder and shove it up your ass is what I'd say. So well, Patriots, definitely for you. Patriots for me. Yeah. What about you? I think my, my Yankees hatred just goes so far back. Yeah, Yankees definitely up there. They haven't affected me in a while, but beating us twice in the World Series, particularly in 1996, um, is, is, is rough. But just to me, nothing is worse than that Super Bowl loss. That's why I can't get that out of my head. Um, but yeah, Yankees is a fair choice. Joseph, do you have a most hated franchise? Uh, I'm going to have to go Saints. Saints, that's totally fair. I, I, I could see the Patriots. I could see that. But like the blowout that we had, I mean, we, we lost that game. We did that more to ourselves. Yeah. But just because they were there and yeah. won mm-hmm. because of us, I don't know. It's just the fact that we lost the Super Bowl the way we lost it to the team we lost it to makes them the most hated in my eyes. But I completely respect the Saints' yeah. uh, decision. There's, there's, nothing, there's nothing worse than seeing that Florida Lee, just uh, that, that stupid logo that they have mm-hmm. just around. You're at an apartment. Yep. You see it on the back of a car. Yep. I just get rage inside. Right. Just... I just look at that thing. You just want to just, bash their windshield. Yeah. Out. It's like, how can you be a fan of that? Right. It was funny, too, because uh, I went to New Orleans last year, and we drove down there. You know, my, my car's filled with Atlanta sports gear. It's got the bumper stickers all over it. And we, and we only had street parking at this Airbnb we're standing in. And I was like, oh, Jesus, someone's just going to come in and fucking Molotov cocktail my car or bash the windshield in or See, I don't think piss I... all over the, the, the true to Atlanta uh, foam finger I got in there. I don't think they have uh, everyday passion like that. I think they get loud and obnoxious Ooh, hot take. on game day, but during the week, eh. Well, no one fucked with my car, so maybe you're right. Yep. Yeah, a, a true Atlanta fan would definitely fuck with that car. Oh, yeah. You have to at least key the car or something. Yeah. <laughs> or at least urinate on it or right. something. It'd be great, too, if you did like every, you keyed a car and did every Atlanta hashtag, just like rise up. Like, and Brotherhood would take forever. Be, like, be there for about an hour. <laughs> At... Atlanta's At- Atlanta's own, own podcast. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Graham Waldrop. <laughs> I'm Graham Waldrop. Here's my phone number. Yeah. Um, no. So, I think so. Uh, consensus on on the Braves. I think we're we have our own opinions. I think Adam and I want to go for the ace. Joseph's more in a, a wait and see mode. Yeah, I want to. Our big trade be for the ace. Uh, spend some money on a right fielder. Mm-hmm. There's a couple out there, or sign. I'll, I'll, you can bring back Marquecas nah, for a one want, year deal. No, I don't want Marquecas back. All right, never mind. Wait, no, you say what you want. <laughs> um, no big money on bullpen pieces, but um, get some depth there. Um, the yeah. old, the old Cardinals, Holland, a Greg Holland, Holland you can bring in uh, Dave Robertson. I think he's a free agent too. I like him a lot of, Ot- from Ot- the Yankees. Ottavino from the Rockies. Ottavino he might good. be more money. Yeah, and the good thing is, is that those guys aren't going to be as, as pricey as a Craig Kimbrell. So. Kimbrell's not happening. And yeah. then spend some money on the bench. Yep. I think that's that's a fair uh, take, other than Marquegas. I, I pretty much agree. So, let's transition to Atlanta United. Joseph segment. Um, <laughs> United just had their first playoff game I don't, you call it a round first playoff victory it's the first playoff victory in they franchise history and uh, what against New York yeah go ahead and talk New York <laughs> New York football club uh, so New York City football club we it was just an absolute slobber knocker loads of fouls yeah it sounded very physical and it's just gonna get worse next game I fear we have uh, a referee uh, Geiger Geiger uh, oh doesn't he hate United he's fucked have, us before in the past right Every other Is that like Laz Diaz of soccer? Or uh, Angel Hernandez. Yeah. I, I think the, the stat was in every other game, I think we've played like 60-some games. Mm-hmm. Uh, every other game we've played, we've had four red cards. In the like four games that we've had with Giger, we've mm-hmm. had two red cards. No. Uh, he's... I, I feel like we're going to have some problems with the refs. We're going to get rowdy again. No. Uh, or both sides are going to get rowdy again. Uh, and it, cards are going to come flying out. Hopefully the people that have yellows uh, aren't going to get uh, another yellow. Um, we're, 
Offensively, uh, we were doing all right. Uh, decent chances. It was a low scoring game, right? It was one nothing. Yeah. Um, I think the goal was off a rebound, right? Yeah. Uh, off of Joseph Martinez mm-hmm. uh, attempt, but someone mm-hmm. else knocked it down. Remetti cleaned up. Yeah. Yeah. And it seemed like yeah, it was really slow. It seemed like the pitch was in terrible condition from yeah. what the radio was saying. Mm-hmm. And it was just all around just like a awful game. So the next game's here, right? In next Atlanta. Game's here. And it should be a lot. Uh, different, at least in terms of the, the conditions of the field. But what do you think um, in terms of, I guess, strategically how both teams are going to approach this? What, what's gonna, what adjustments will be made uh, in this game coming up? So uh, we know that New York City has a, a really good short pass game. Mm-hmm. So they and, and our defense against short pass has generally been pretty shoddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that we probably are going to change up, or I, I think the way we kept our formation – this this last game is probably going to end up staying the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think we're going to have uh, too many changes in terms of personnel. We I, I think the the way that we set up, maybe we do the the wing back thing again with uh, with Gressel and uh, Gonzalez Perez maybe. But the I think the the whole goal of uh, of our offensive scheme is basically a counterattack, mm. just going in and pushing the ball as hard as possible. If we're able to be successful with that, which sometimes we are, sometimes we aren't, especially against defenses like New York City, uh, we win the game. That's mm-hmm. it. If we tie, we win. Mm-hmm. If we, if they score, uh, if they score one more goal than us, uh, it's two away goals. <clears throat> Or if basically if it's you lost one me. zero if it's zero one it's it's like a draw because we what have, does that mean like if we win one zero if, no, we, oh, lose if we lose okay zero one right what does that we mean? are tied <laughs> in away goals what the hell's a score what the hell's a score Here, what are we get talking about thing. here's the away goal thing so if we lose one to yeah, two right we lose we lose out because they've because got they have okay. two away goals to our one away goal right um, if we that seems so stupid I agree. And, and I, I actually know a lot of people agree with that as well. Who are like, soccer in soccer people? Yeah, because I was, I, was, I was trying to uh, read about this on Sunday while I was watching it, and um, like there were the, this, some ESPN soccer analysis went on some rant about how they should do it like um, World Cup format to make it like just so much more watchable. Yeah, because you've got these like. And what's that based on, or was that criteria? Joseph. It's the yeah. <laughs> so there, there's groupings and then there's points from the groupings. Yeah. Uh, whoever has the most points within those groupings. Oh, they do the group yeah. shit. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a lot more teams mm-hmm. in a World Cup than there are with uh, with the, the playoffs in right. MLS. MLS generally makes terrible decisions in terms of playoff format, generally because they try to uh, address the American market of like either football mm-hmm. one game right. type of thing or basketball baseball where you have best like it seems weird why is there like a as a hybrid combination of that that doesn't make any sense to me well it just didn't seem like a lot of urgency like it didn't feel like a playoff atmosphere or anything like that up and i know it'll it, i know it will be in atlanta um but like, i just saw a bunch of videos of other stadiums and they're like two thousand people in there attendance isn't really great for us <laughs> The MLS, excluding... Yeah. It's like Orlando yeah. and here, and I know there's a few other places that get pretty rowdy. LA does pretty good. Yeah, right? LA. Um, I'm sure there are others. Columbus Sorry. has some rowdy fans, too. Yeah. So, what happens if we if we lose this game, like you were saying, 2-1? to one, We lose. What does we, that mean? Like, it's out. over? We are out. Yeah. See, that seems like such horse shit. Like, I, I cannot... Cope Keep in mind, that. Graham, we haven't lost two to one yet. I know, but it's like you won the first game. They won the next game. It's tied. They should have a, a, a final a tiebreaker. So what happens if we win? If we win one nothing, we, we win, win the series. So oh yeah yeah. So if we win, we win. If it's zero zero, we win. Okay, so if we if we tie, we win. If we tie, we right. win. Got it. Okay. If we lose, we lose. Yeah. Unless it's zero one. Right. Yes. So if that happens, what it's is the that? most informed I've ever felt? The rules are after a waggle. Uh, the away goals, it goes to a home goal differential. Right. And then after that, I can't remember if it's like a coin toss or something stupid like that. (laughs) (laughs) 
That'd be an amazing way for an Atlanta sports team to lose in the playoffs. Oh, God, yeah. That'd be great. Or a coin toss. You knew, you would know right when that happened that we have no chance in hell that we would win that. 50-50 is more like 50-1. to Just because Atlanta sports. One heads or tails? (laughs) Whatever you say, it's not going to happen. You've said nothing, you lose. You lose. (laughs) So, here's a question for you, Joseph. Uh, Your namesake, Joseph Martinez, seems to be... Struggling down the stretch a little bit. I know he's had an outstanding season overall. Wins the Golden Boot rather than the shit. But has this team, you've watched them obviously a lot more than we have, has this team struggled more with him not being as effective? Which might be a stupid question, but just what do you see with him not being as as turned on as he normally is? Uh, It's really, and it really goes down to our midfielders. Like, if Nagby's playing strong... If Almiron's playing strong, we we can eke out some points, but not to the point that a successful Joseph Martinez. Right. Vialba as well. So mm-hmm. Vialba uh, plays forward sometimes, uh, or, or wing. And he can, of course, shoot screamers too. Right. So uh, there's a lot of other weapons we have. They're nowhere near as effective as Joseph Martinez mm-hmm. is. But uh, but we I think we can still squeak out a win, even if he's not at his... At his A game, if he mm-hmm. is on his A game, mm-hmm. it's it's a done deal. Uh, but that's true to Atlanta. We either win by four, or win by three, or lose by three. So here's my concern with this team uh, going forward: is I think they're going to have the Shanahan effect because Tata is gone after this year. Right. We know that. Yes. So he's going to like not call running plays or some shit like that. And, uh, you know, because Shanahan didn't call a running play when we could have won the Super Bowl. Oh. Oh, I see what you're saying now. Because Shanahan was gone. Right. Or like Sarkeesian, when Sarkeesian was at Alabama, and he was just, well, that, that was his first game. Never mind. That one doesn't work. Bottom line is having a coach that's not as committed and completely devoted to the team, not great. Not great for morale. We we kind of knew Tyler was going to do this. He was he's never been a, a coach for a team more than a few years. Uh, Stopped around a lot. Uh, he's done a lot for this team, and I I'm okay with I, I'm not okay with the the way that the decision came out. Uh, but I think it'd been better if it waited till after the season. Yeah. No. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it is what it is. Hopefully, we can. He, and Tada's always had problems with stronger teams. Uh, like with our with our record, we we actually have a losing record against uh, above five hundred teams, mm. if I recall. It's it's something like that. Uh, the teams that we struggle against, like New York City, uh, New York Red Bulls, yeah, New York uh, Red Bulls seem to be City, they seem to be our freaking the Toronto, bane of our existence. Yeah, we we have we definitely have struggles against stronger teams and. Uh, the way that that formation played out on our last on our uh, last season game that really scares me. We were playing three five two, uh, which is generally not a strong formation for us. We we generally like having uh, wing backs, which is basically uh, or Gressel or or LGP kind of playing uh, all the way along the side of the field, uh, crossing in, uh, which makes Joseph pretty volatile. Mm-hmm. Uh, having three five two doesn't really allow that type of that, that, that type of. So what does that do for us then? It's just a so it's just think about it like uh, in baseball where you mm-hmm. kind of move your formation, uh, move the formation of like your, your defense, uh, defense right. to uh, stop somebody from actually getting singles, right. where they move everybody to the right for Freddie. Right. Uh, same exact thing uh, in it. in soccer. It's when uh, when the offense comes down. Uh, we basically structure our uh, people up in a way that uh, intercepts passes, mm-hmm. uh, slows down specific types of uh, play, and three five two is just not really effective for for our offense. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it, it's something that whenever whenever in a, a United fan sees it, it's not it's not good. Uh, we've we've been successful with it. Sort of like putting in Sam Freeman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. There we go. Yeah, that, <laughs> okay. that, that contextualizes it. Yeah. Um, so, 
Joe's. So, any other United things you want to touch on? Hugo has a question. Okay. <laughs> Hugo wants to know why, on the box score of uh, any soccer games, the away team is on the bottom, whereas in any other sport, the away team would be on the top. It's very confusing for us Americans. Please I, explain. I think whoever designed that <laughs> is, an is idiot. just as confused as everybody else is. Yeah, it's just a terrible interface decision. Whoever designed that, you you got to think for your American audience. You got to make it as 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 easy as possible for for them to consume this with, with, Euro which football. They, which they didn't. Though. Yeah. they made it even more confusing. They made it even more confusing. Yeah. Um. So here's a question I have. So I don't know if, did you hear the last episode? Uh, no. Okay. So Adam went on a little, uh, we had a little therapy session where Adam was talking about his, um, issues with United. Right. Not really with United, but more so the way they're marketed, the fan base, and why can't we have that, more of that enthusiasm for the other teams that have been here and suffered, et cetera, et cetera. It's because they're new. They're so, trendy. They're trendy, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, look at that. You yeah. think you're right or something. Yeah. So, what about you, though, specifically? I know you're... Well, yeah, please explain. I, I, I played soccer when I was younger. So, you grew up in soccer. You've always liked yeah. soccer. You follow European League and all that there, shit. There is, there is a soccer culture here in Atlanta. Uh, we're, we're a big immigrant town, too. So sure. Uh, that's, that's something else that uh, kind of steps into it. Uh, and, yeah, it, it's, it's something that's unlike hockey, where it's... A very big transplant to have a hockey team with with the Thrashers or, or the Knights. Soccer is a little bit more ingrained in Atlanta than than that is, so it seems like it's an easier fit. Uh, also, if you win a lot, turns out people like going to games. Uh, if you're an exciting team to watch, team uh, the crowds will watch you. Uh, having Joe Martinez here. Uh, having such a strong season in his first season and his second season. Yeah, no, he's uh, been here. he's been thrilling. Yeah. I think there's also no stigma of the Atlanta sports past of all the horrors uh, that we've endured. We've had a first round playoff. Loss. Well, I'm, I'm saying though, but like until that happened. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's only one. Yeah. With the Braves, I can count. You know, more. They, they have they're steeped in it. Right. Same with the Falcons. Yeah. And the Hawks. Uh, I think it's also that a lot of, you know, being, as you're saying, not only just like immigrant town, but, you know, American transplant town too. The homegrown talent here is really strong. Right. Bello and, and Carlton. Yeah, there's that, but there's also like a lot of the people who are transplants here have their baseball teams, they have their, their football teams, so they don't have a soccer team. Yeah. Um, so I think that has something to do with it as well. And actually, I stole that from from user Alexis. I won't take credit for that, but that was something, a point she made after listening to the show last week. It was like, that's something to consider as well. They might not have an MLS soccer team. Yeah. Because it's not as, you know, has been around as Something long. a transplant can embrace as a part right. of their Atlanta, Atlanta heritage. Sure. Does I can make, see that. Does that make you feel a little better now? It's, it's probably easier for transplants than uh, uh, locals. Yeah. You know? So what, so how did you feel watching the game then? Did you get into it at all? Were you excited? Did you... Um, Did you worry? Were you ambivalent, or were you full I mean, of rage? I wasn't like. I mean, I was laying on the couch watching it the whole time, uh, but I watched the whole game. Yeah. I was entertained. I was happy when we scored. Um, the offsides call that one was probably pretty exciting and then pretty bumming. Yes, as well. yes. Um, and Veronica used to date Sean Johnson, the goalie of. Oh. In like middle school, so she was excited about that. Um, as I'm just laying there on the couch, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean it was it was cool. I'm I'm looking forward to watching Sunday's game. Um, she, yeah, it should be a little bit better with the field as well, so it'll be a bit faster type of game. Uh, probably Cont- just as aggressive. It's generally New York City and and us. Kind of butted heads, yeah. kind of like Orlando. When is um, when is the game on Sunday? Five five thirty. I'm contemplating a full Atlanta sports watching day. That. Watch the Falcons game and yeah. then just roll into the United game yeah, and watching it good. around people would be good. Yeah, that could be fun. Um, Haven't done Brew House in a while. Yeah, your favorite place. Ugh. It's just so good for watching games. It right? is. It's just 
terrible food, bad drink prices. Well, what are you gonna do? Can't all be perfect, I guess. Yeah, sometimes you just gotta muscle through it. Yeah. Right. Well, I think that wraps up today's episode of Atlanta Zone. <laughs> Nothing really else. To talk. I think we we've talked everything to death at this point. Unless you have. I just realized I've been playing with one of your toenails for the last two to three minutes. Oh, look at that. What did you think this was? <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was like a ple- piece of plastic, and then I realized it was your freaking toenail that you probably picked off with your teeth. And I don't, I don't bite my nails. I just, I just rip them off. Jesus. <laughs> so I would like to go wash my hands now. That's fair. Yeah. Well, I think that wraps up today's episode of Atlanta Zone. Until next time, rise up, chop on, stay in brotherhood, unite and conquer. And throw away your toenails. <laughs> and be true to Atlanta. <laughs> that was some sick shit. <laughs> I like to wash my hands That's a weird noise <laughs> on both our parts. <laughs> I hope that was recorded. <laughs>